1: You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind.
2: You're listening to KZON, on Oleander Public Radio. farmer days here once again to talk to you about the cthulhu mythos its books its monsters its unfortunate human casualties its timeline in general and even its tangential bits like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are lovecraftian leaning Once more, we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again, we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. Hey everybody, it's me, DB, and to my virtual right this week as I have reconfigured my uh, con- command center at the radio station. Uh, to my virtual right, as always, is Farmer Dave. Farmer Dave, how the heck are you doing?
3: I am doing very well. Yeah. You may knows that, notice that uh, I have changed up my toothpaste. So if you're smelling something minty coming from your computer, uh-huh. it's my new toothpaste. Okay. If you smell something, it smells like fire. It's your hard drive
2: on fire. <laughs> I thought I was having a stroke. Uh, no, the hard drive's at the radio station. Uh, everything's so old it all says Franklin and Wang. Uh, <laughs> um,
3: the, the, I, uh, uh, the employee program? Yeah. Uh, calculate your pay is an abacus? Uh, no,
2: no. Um, uh, yeah, it's. I'm, I don't want to go into how much. I mean, you've seen how much we get paid doing a radio yes. show. <laughs> yes. Let, uh, let's not talk about how the sausage is made. Let's talk wait, about. Wait, wait,
3: wait. I've got one more. Okay, I've got okay. One more. Sure. Our computers at the radio station are so old, the IT phone number is Alan Turing's line. <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> yes.
3: yes. Uh, Alan Turing, for those of you. Who don't know basically invented the computer yeah
2: it's 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 not that old though it's it's actually uh it's 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 a bunch of like 2004 to 2010 mac stuff and a bunch of older older equipment uh cobbled together to work together and a semi-cohesive thing Um, There's old uh, video equipment here, too, but we don't use that because it's from the uh, community access stuff from the late 90s when people cared about that stuff Uh, before YouTube, before that, you know, before you could uh, get on in front of people's faces other ways for little to no money, like podcasting.
0: Uh,
2: So, Dave, what are we talking about this week?
3: So today we are talking about one of those things which is difficult for me to pronounce. Gathenathoa. G- yes, that <laughs> thing. And, and and I guess there was some confusion because even I believe, uh, oh, um, Lynn Carter, I think originally referred to it as uh, like Golgoroth, which is a a um
2: Robert E Howard creature. Yeah. Creature. And I pronounce that uh, Golgoroth personally. But.
3: Yes. <laughs> but when you think Gathagonora or however. Uh-huh. Gath- yeah. And maybe it's because I pronounce it or Golgoroth. The first thing I think of. Yeah. Is Golgoroth. Okay. Which is the mountain that Christ was supposed to have been crucified on. Gotcha. Okay. And, and I would, uh, especially since we know that uh, Robert E. Howard I, he wasn't really a christian he definitely believed in a reincarnation he mm-hmm. believed in yeah. an afterlife mm-hmm. but his mom was pretty christian sure so sure. he's gonna have a pretty good texas understanding of the Bible yeah. even if he doesn't necessarily
2: believe it mm-hmm. um he's had to sit through some church uh you know
3: <laughs> yeah now lovecraft of course is going to be the ultimate atheist mm-hmm. and will as as a child i mean uh by f- four five six he was pretty much convinced that there was no such thing as god yeah um, but um, so I've always, anytime we get a name that's got the goth in it mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I think a lot, I think of uh, you know uh, of G- Gogotha and oh, I can't yeah. pronounce yeah. real things as well as I can take fake things <laughs> and yet I can pronounce
2: fake things better than I can real things yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and before Garof- we, we talk about Mr. G, sure, sure.
3: If Lovecraft is Mr. G's father, uh huh, we got to talk about Mr. G's mom.
2: Oh, yeah, Hazel, that, uh, Held. Hazel Held, yeah,
3: yes. So, uh, Held, Held wrote basically five stories with Lovecraft, mm-hmm. uh, at least. Three of them, yeah, are considered like you are, are major pieces of the mythos. I think uh, the horror of the museum, uh, out of the eons, and uh, oh no, I was thinking those are the uh, two, but also um, uh, oh a week's death, I guess she did, mm-hmm. uh, but she has a lo- a lot of influence. And there always is going to be this question, how much of these stories were hers Yeah. and how much of them were Lovecraft?
0: Uh-huh,
3: uh-huh. And that we're going to get that in a lot of the revisions mm-hmm. that Lovecraft did, you know, a lot of, you know, and a lot of his posthumous work. Sure. How much is Lovecraft and how much is the other uh, the other writer or the editor for that matter? Yes. Yes. And, and yeah. So there could be several. Um, there could be several different um, people working over some of the stories. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No. Like um, I, I, even Stephen King isn't just Stephen King. Stephen King is the writer. Stephen King. Stephen King is uh stuff that he picks up from his family Stephen King is his publisher is his editors that i don't believe actually exist and you know it's it's like he could do that with any any author any any writer any filmmaker any musician like there is not this concept of the solo artist no one uh unless you're self publishing on Amazon or something like that you really don't get a sense of what the true Artist's vision is unless they get really, 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 really rich, and then there's a bunch of yes men that say whatever you want to do, Mr. Lucas. Yes, <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so CM Eddie, who oh. definitely is a co-writer, he 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 worked with uh, Lovecraft in The Love It Dead. Sure, sure. He is also he and his wife, I think, put uh, Lovecraft up. I think he stayed at their place for quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, when he was in New York. Um, he was in the know and he he said hazel kind of had was kind of crushing uh-huh. on lovecraft and i don't know that could that could be um you know writer circle gossip sure and, you know, but again it she comes from the same place or sort of point that uh that Sonia green came from yeah and Sonia and, you know lovecraft' were gonna get married uh huh, uh-huh. okay so so, um, uh-huh. uh or the, the, the dark god, yeah. he is brought to Earth by, in fact, I, I want to double check a few things. Go for so it. I got an old copy, a PDF uh-huh. of Out of the Eons, uh, and I kind of tapped it, uh, you know, highlighted a couple of words, so I wanted to make sure I was on the right Track when I was working on this. Sure, and he is brought to Earth by something called the Spawn, uh, uh, the alien Spawn of the Dark Planet Yugoth Yeah, yeah. Now, now, Lovecraft, like we see, we see Spawn come up in Lovecraft for the Spawn of Cthulhu. hmm mm-hmm. So we don't know who this alien Spawn is. Yeah. But it definitely c- comes together with the rest of the mythos. Um, and the thing that I, I really sort of the the narrator kind of and this could be a narrator you know, this could be an unreliable narr- narrator Sure. but he says the, sp- the, the spawn died all died off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So is these Migos which we know are associated with the planet Yugoth, even though I believe they come you know, Ugoth is sort of like this way station to them. Yeah. But because it was the first place that they came into our solar system that they're associated with, mm-hmm. were these Migo? And then that particular group of Migo died, or or is this an entire alien race that we've forgotten about?
2: Well, when we talk about stuff with Zoth and Cthulhu and Idyh and stuff like that. Um, I think I think that's more of from a deep ones, not deep ones, uh, a great old ones, lore about each other kind of thing. Or possibly um, I mean, who it could it, it could be misinterpretation from cultists uh, who, are labeling things and uh, assuming things about Gathanathoa andvez- andezo- hun- and Gathanathoa's lineage.
3: I mean, it's so, so. So let's let's throw a heresy that nobody has. Oh sure, and we'll create the Heathian heresy. Oh sure, yeah. So yeah. apparently, Noah is just riding around, traveling around with the, these spawn of Yugoth, right? Yeah. Well, what if? he's not necessarily a great old one like we think he is, mm-hmm. but sort of like we talked about, you know, Dagon and stuff. What if he's the ultimate evolution of Amigo or a different race? Yeah. What if he's the only survivor of that
2: particular race? Sure. Like the, uh, last survivor of the spawn of, but I mean, there is, there's is pretty, uh, like set in stone lore about that. It's, uh, Supposed to be the 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 son or grandson or nephew of Cthulhu. Uh, I don't it,
3: know. I, it, it, exactly, and mm-hmm. and and this and we're gonna get a lot. And this is again. I always I take this with a lot greater more grain of salt. Sure. Than a lot of people did during the time we wrote it. Mm-hmm. It is. Um. Uh, oh, it, it is this sort of connection of relatives? Mm-hmm. And this is probably a more arguably correct mm-hmm. than a lot of his things are, like in the the genealogy of the Elder Gods. Yeah. Uh, because he's he's, he's implying it much more in in the story here that this is Cthulhu's son. Sure. So, um, but again, you're you're right. We get this unreliable narrative. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. get this translation. Yeah. So, and, and we see this in, in real books too. You know, what um, Gilgamesh meant mm-hmm. when they wrote the you know the original writers and what Gilgamesh means and now. Yeah. It's not the same thing. Yeah, or, uh, I don't know, I was thinking about,
2: like, uh, ancient Greek uh, travelogues showing, like, men with their faces in their chest uh, and no heads, and, like, uh, people who only have one foot to get around, and... um like, other things that end up being, like, animals that do exist, but... Or have gone extinct, or are just poorly drawn. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like, what if Gathenothoa is is one of those things? It's like, uh... I don't know, maybe... Uh, I don't know, Gathenothoa seems like an aquatic creature. Gathenothoa seems like a... Uh, I mean loathsome unholy non-human extra galactic horror and hatefulness and unutterable evil from the forbidden, forbidden spawn of black chaos and an illimitable night um I mean I, I I think it may be some sort of like matching of like what if this is what happens when maybe not Idya, what if this is like you know, people are, are, are like saying this. there's no way this could have come from this world but, you know, what if it's like Cthulhu and and, and like a Shoggoth or Deep Ones and a Shoggoth or, you know, uh, some sort of like unnatural uh, hybrid or something like that.
0: Because, it could, it,
3: it could, it, even though it's implied, especially, in, and then we have different writers, right? Mm-hmm. Out of Eon doesn't say it's parentage yes. Yeah. Yeah. it just it just says that you know the the spawn of the Yugoth brought it here to earth mm-hmm. put it in this mountain and oh no 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 off. no
2: Uh, they I, I'm pre- no actually yeah never mind I'm looking at a different bit of text and that is the Lynn Carter bit that I was looking at so yeah
3: <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I I say it's the later people I think that that put it more associated with with Cthulhu. With, yeah. uh, with Cthulhu and, and the, but what this does it's almost and we're not really sure from the out of the eons mm-hmm. what this relationship is between the swan uh, and Gagatha mm-hmm. you know is this because is this more evidence towards the Delorthan heresy you know of the word heaven mm-hmm Did did um, you know Galgatha? You know, was he captured? Was he a prisoner? Do they? Do you know? Did was it a captured god?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean,
3: and and out of the Eons deliberately, and I think that's part of the genius. mm -hmm. Doesn't tell
0: us a lot.
2: No, no. We we we. It's 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 more of a story about mummies, but we also find out about uh and, Othoa. <laughs> and, yeah, and,
3: and And spoiler for an 87-year-old story. Yeah. But but it, it's a brilliant story. You know oh, mean? yeah. yeah. The, 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 these creatures are mummified. Or, like it's, it, it's almost like Medusa.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: It's a Medusa, except instead of turns them into stone, turns them into these leather-like mummies, and their brain will live forever. Oh, so yeah. it's like a Uh, and and, and I don't know I I don't know that sounds so Lovecraftian but you know I could see Hazel Held coming up with the idea
2: Oh definitely definitely yeah you know there's certain things that I feel like are very kind of like Hazel Held about this and you can like tell the bits that are like Lovecraftian about like oh it's an ancient this and I don't know um, Hazel Held may have been going for like kind of like a Clark Ashton Smithy kind of story and then or like kind of like some sort of like uh ancient Egyptian-y kind of thing in Lovecraft, like, no, we gotta put space monsters into it, dude. <laughs> and then she's like, Oh sure, uh, tall, dark and bony, ooh, whatever you want. I don't know, that's just baseless speculation on my part. To be funny. Yes. <laughs>
3: And one other thing, you know, too, as um, you go into things like, oh, the H.P. Lovecraft wiki, uh-huh. you know, it's going to say it's associated with Yig. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing about Yig. We don't know how much Yig was created by Lovecraft.
2: Well, yeah, I mean... Y-
3: Yig is, um, you know, Zelda Bishop. uh uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so I could... I I. I could see sort of you know these two women basically and as far as I know the two I think they knew each other I think yeah. they were all part of the same amateur writing group mm-hmm. basically plopping these things onto Lovecraft and it like, correct my spelling and you know he's taking one from one story and putting it in the other story
2: yeah yeah <sighs> correct my spelling nope <laughs> All right, um, yeah. Um, what else were we gonna say? What else can we say? Uh,
3: and, and, and again, this is sort of one of those minor deities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it did get—I mean, did get picked up by Len Carter, sure. And several other people. Yeah. Uh, Colin Wilson is going to. Uh, Make, um, and Colin kind of does what he wants, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, he's going to bring in his version of the uh, Yegor. Mm-hmm. Um So it is one of the more well known, but I, I think, you know, if you ask, go to a convention, you know, sit down, and say, tell us what you know about, or like a Lovecraft convention or something, mm-hmm. uh, Gatha Noah, uh, I, I think it's one that. People are gonna have to sit down, and really, really think about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, no, I feel like I know as much as I do about Gathnathoa because how many times I've covered out of eons and Gathnathoa and like this uh, civilization kind of thing. This, this, uh, I, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of aspects of this that I've brought up in the past, and I really kind of like the whole like running into horror in a museum kind of uh, cliche. Pastiche—I don't know what to call it—but uh, yeah, trope. Trope. Thank you. My brain was not working. Uh, and,
3: and, and the other thing, just—I want to throw this about Gathenol Future. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, even though it really is not a creation of Lovecraft, yeah. it's often built mm-hmm. but it—it it is public domain. Oh, I did not to, know that. To, to best of my knowledge, and I'm getting this from. Um, and we'll probably get a whole bunch of mail from lawyers and we'll have to correct this. Nah. But for one I got from the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society
0: mm-hmm.
3: that the only things that Lovecraft worked on yeah that are not in public domain now are the things that he worked on with C.M. Eddie. Okay. And that is still in the Eddie family. Yeah. So, and you know, so so yeah, write us next week when we when you get your uh cease and desist orders for your great novel about Gathanoa but as far as I know Gathanoa is public domain okay
2: cool Uh, Gathanoa is going to be the ultimate bad guy in my um, cinematic universe using public domain
3: heroes absolutely (laughs) Um, and and as such there's a couple of uh, uh, Japanese uh, you know, manga that use sort of cutesy little girls um, uh, with uh, mythos names. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he is also a monster in one of the Ultraman. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. So I, I'm I'm pretty sure that Gathanoa is public domain. Oh, okay, all right. Or everyone just assumes. <laughs> yeah, or has gotten away with it. Yep, but yeah. Yep. That's pretty much. That's what I know about. That's what I know about Gathy. Okay, cool. Well, uh,
2: everyone, thank you so much for listening to me and Dave uh, talk about Gath and Othoa. Um, Saying that name over and over really wakes you up. Not quite like Copper Cow Coffee, a Vietnamese pour-over coffee Uh, about Buck 40, buck 80, depending on what you're getting. Uh, some of them come with little sweetened condensed milks that are really nice. They've got a wide variety of flavors everything from churro to rose to black coffee to. Oh, I'm drawing a blank. They've got uh, mocha and all, all kinds of stuff that you'd like. So check out the show links Copper Cow Coffee. We. Thank you once again for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can help show your support by going to the show notes and following any of the links that'll tell you how to support the show how to support our guests. And thank you to all of our guests who you can find in the show notes. Rate, review, subscribe. And remember, patrons get priority access to asking us questions, suggesting topics, even, I don't know, uh, submitting stuff. Actually, you don't have to be a patron to submit anything. That's how Dave got on the show, and that's how you can get on the show, too. It's the People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Thank you for listening. Back to the show.
0: This is Dave's corner of the podcast. It is awesome and it's gonna go.
3: it's me, it's Farmer Dave and uh, we've come across one of those rare times where uh, we've got a little space and don't have an interview, although I will say that we've got some really exciting interviews that are coming down the pipe and scheduled but uh, I didn't really push interviews that hard this week because I wanted to maybe talk about something I wanted to talk about and you know The People's Guide to uh, the Cthulhu Mythos uh, is ironically both the oldest of our program titles, but it also recently had a revival and incorporated a couple of the other shows that I was involved in, Uh, mainly uh, Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans and Radio Free So, those of you who have listened to that show or know me or listen to me, I'm sorry. But, no. um, You know, I have other interests other than Lovecraft and the mythos. And, you know, even DB and I, we talk about what we see on TV in a bit. So I want to talk about uh, what is basically one of my top ten favorite graphic novels. And the fact that it's getting turned into an HBO... Uh, miniseries, and that is Ed Wood's DMZ. And when I first, I got the first copy, I was kind of into comics at the time when DMZ first came out, and I have to admit, I was not impressed with the first issue on first reading. Going back, you know, I loved it, I did, for some reason I didn't like the art, I thought it was too close to Escape from New York, which it's not, um... At the time, when I first read it, it seemed to me like it had just overabundant of swear words, which either it didn't bother me the second reading, or I just I just didn't notice it. But uh, when I lived in California, uh, one of the local bookstores was going out of business, uh, so they were having all the graphic novels at half price. And um, so I picked up the... Um, the second trade uh, paperback uh, of uh, Brian Wood's uh, DMZ, a body or body of a journalist, which is amazing. It is, like I said, easily on my top ten greatest graphic novels ever made list. Now, recently, HBO is announced with very sort of stealth. It, Even people I've talked to that are into comic books and HBO productions are kind of surprised that at the time I'm recording this, uh, depending on when you're listening, in about a week, a DMZ miniseries will come out. In fact, I um, uh, am recording this on March 8th of uh, 2022. And as far as I know, the... um, the trailer dropped last night and it's coming out like a week from yesterday Uh, so people who have seen the DMZ trailer for HBO Max I believe it's only on streaming or streaming, excuse me have really really liked it and and I liked it but I can already tell it's not going to be the same as the graphic novel I strongly suspect that this is going to be one of those shows that the le- least familiar you are, and Ralph disagrees with me, but the, the less familiar you are with our, the source material, the more you're going to like the show. And the more you love the graphic novels, the more indifference you're going to be, because it very likely looks like a good show with an amazing cast. But it's not quite what DMZ from Vertical Comics was. Now, like I said, I've, I've not seen the show yet because it hasn't released. In fact, I think it's being uh, released in Sundance in a couple of days. But let me talk a little bit about what DMZ the comic is and especially what, what the, um, the body of a journalist arc is. So, DMZ tells the main story of this character named Matty Roth. Matty Roth is an intern for a Fox-like news program, and his dad is basically the Roger Murdoch character. And his dad is making him go cover these news to learn the importance of work. Now, Maddie himself really doesn't have any political ties, but the company that his dad owns is very, very tied into the industrial military complex. And this is during contemporary time. There's contemporary vehicles, contemporary cell phones, contemporary clothing. But it's taking place during the Second American Civil War, where uh, the Free State basically rise up, Free State Movement rises up in rebellion against the federal government. And at least part of this war is fought a very traditional sort of civil war. You know, Again, this is fiction. That's not really what a, a second you know, civil war would be like if it happens. But the free states and the federal government go into a major battle in New York. And they both basically pull out, leaving New York as a no-man's land to sort of separate them as they both sides lick their wounds. Um, that's It becomes the DMZ, the, the basically the five boroughs of New York. And as such, Maddie is assigned to a very famous reporter named Victor as an assistant. Maddie's not a reporter himself. He very much is an assistant. He's only doing this because his dad's vacant. And then the helicopter they're flying in is shot down and it crashes in the DMZ. And Maddie is the only one presumed to have survived. And all of a sudden he becomes, because he actually has some of the equipment salvaged and satellite phones, he in essence becomes the reporter in the DMZ. Now he's this rich kid who at first at least is completely out of his league. He is over his head uh, in this anarchy, chaotic land. And he comes across though, a character named Z. Z Hernandez is by far one of my favorite characters ever in any comic book. She is a medical student who decides to stay in the New York DMZ and she becomes the tour guide. She becomes, you know, basically guides through, gets Maddie enough to where he can start, where he can survive. And um, and where he can thrive, and where he becomes sort of the source of information coming out of the DMZ. Well, it turns out that the reporter he was traveling with is Victor, didn't die in the helicopter crash. And so, the body of journalists is how, you know, Victor was basically brought up as this hero on the uh, federal side. As Z and Maddie search for for Victor, um, and what he enc- what they encounter, and eventually there is a a double cross. Um, and I'm not going to spoil. It. There's going to have to be a few spoilers in the story because uh, just for me to tell you what what is what, but they're double-crossed by one side or another, and then they end up having to fight for their life. Uh, The other part, the last sort of story that's added into a body of journalists is ZNYC, and it basically tells the story of why Z is left in New York, why she opts to become... uh, in New York. And then it also includes uh, New York Times, which is sort of a, an add-on where uh, Maddie goes around and speaks to the different people who are living in the DMZ and photographs them and tells their story. So they basically explore New York, at least in the first couple of graphic novels. Uh, like I said, the body, or body of a journalist is one of the best written graphic novels to come out in the 21st century. On the ground is the first one. And, and, and with second reading, I really did enjoy it. And it sort of you have Z is this hardened survivor, and you have Maddie, this naive person that is come into the danger zone and he has to latch onto her whether Z wants him or not so that he can survive. And we discover that Z is not as callous and uncaring as she acts in her first experience with, with Maddie. Now, for the trailer that just dropped on the, the miniseries, um, you're going to notice, if you're familiar with the comics, that there are two really important things that are missing. Matty Roth and Zee Hernandez. That They're not in the series. And they are combined in Rosario Dawson's character, uh, it looks like, uh, uh, Alma. But it takes a lot out. And, and part of the point in DMZ... Is what happens to Matty, where he starts going from a neutral journalist to actually becoming a power player in the DMZ, and that what he are the greatest intentions lead to this very horrific ending. And I'll be honest, you know, I followed the whole hundred, you know, and I wasn't really satisfied with the story that it ended. And now the series ended in 2012, and its ending is much more impactful now, and the importance of a neutral, independent press is much more than at at 2012. So again, I'm going to have to reread it, but you can't have that ending. You can't have that Aesop fable without Maddie and I get that, and, and I, I like Z much more than Maddie. and I thought Z was underused, especially the more that she cuts off from Maddie as he becomes more political, I thought it was this great loss to you know, she was his moral compass, and he tries to basically navigate good and evil without her, and he can't and I thought Wood kind of Bench Z, who is my favorite character. So, in a way, I thought I would like Rosario Dawson's character, maybe I'm more, but I don't think that she's the part of Z that I like. Z is this survivor, but she survives not for selfish reasons. She survives because if she doesn't, other people will die. That she is to thousands and thousands of people trapped in the DMZ. She is their only access to any type of medical treatment. And she, you know, she pulls a gun on Maddie in the first episode. Now, the one thing I will say is the casting's amazing. I mean, Rosario Dawson, uh, Benjamin Brad, I mean, yeah, it looks amazing. So uh, I could not argue with that casting, but and I think I would like the Alma character a lot if I wasn't comparing her to Z. I'm, and the whole show, I'm going to be, Z wouldn't do that. No, that's not Z. Well, David, he's not supposed to be Z. She's a new character from a new angle. And there still will be Parko, who is a, an interesting character. But he's both sort of the Moses slash Satan to Maddie. That he's the one that takes Maddie off of the true path of a journalist and makes him a political operative and he uses Maddie. And he's very upfront with that. He's this very charming character. Um, and he is also very politically savvy. In fact, Maddie's mother is as liberal as his father is conservative. And she becomes, you know the advisor to Parko. But I, I don't think Parko even comes up or even is mentioned until like the third or fourth graphic novel. And so what becomes this slow reveal character has got to be pushed in within four episodes. My other favorite character is is Wilson. And, and that's gonna be a bit of a spoiler here. So Wilson is sort of this eccentric, quirky, Chinese elder gentleman who seems to have a lot of authority and power who takes Maddie in. Sort of guides him but again you get this feeling that Wilson, even Wilson is using Maddie for his own reason. Well it turns out because as we discover later Wilson is the head of the, the Chinese triads. He, he's a criminal where it kind of hints from the trailers that it kind of who he is is sort of set from the beginning. Also, it kind of combined him with a couple of his operatives uh, because the Wilson in the TV show is half the age of the Wilson in the the, uh, book who it kind of hints may have even been around during the Vietnam War. But, like I said, we've only seen about two and a half minutes. It could be Extremely good. I'm hoping you're extremely good. The cast, the acting, the directing is just amazing. Um, so, you know what? I, I really hope that I enjoy this. I just realize it's going to be different from the books that I enjoy. So, I'm going to recommend, yes, I'm going to recommend Sight Unseen. I'm going to recommend, and I may regret this, this, the miniseries. I absolutely am going to recommend. The original comic source material. But my suggestion is if you're unfamiliar with both, maybe you'd want to see the series, then get the graphic novels. That way you might be a little less
0: disappointed.
2: We are back. Dave. How are you doing? I am back. Yeah, you're back. So. I have a front tooth. You have a front tooth?
3: Yes. Front
2: tooth. Oh, okay.
3: Okay. I thought
2: you were telling me that you had a front tooth, and I'm like, is that what you're tapping? Is that what that sound is?
3: No, I I have a, I, I am back, and I have a front also. Ah, gotcha,
2: gotcha. All right, so. D&D on D&D, we're, we're talking about something that exists in the Cthulhu mythos, but also has a name in I mean, D&D and the Cthulhu mythos. I don't know if they're the same thing or not,
3: so I was going to talk to Dave. So, so we're talking about gas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I did a little bit of research, and, and again, we're probably going to get this correction letter from from Ken or Robin or somebody. Oh, yeah. But as near as I can tell... I mean I was introduced to gas through D and D when mm-hmm. I was about thirteen you know, Okay. But as near as I can turn ghast so the word ghastly is something that is scary, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I guess originally it meant something that makes you think about something that's scary. Okay. So something that thing that has a ghastly appearance or a ghastly aura is a ghast. Okay. Um and so I as near as I can tell, And again, please correct me if I'm wrong, dear audience. That gas was kind of originally just like a generic word for a monster. Okay. For for, for something scary. And and again, we'll probably get some correction because I didn't... But Lovecraft, I think, sort of ties the gas to the undead. Okay. Uh, And not really undead. He ties it to ghouls. (laughs) And, and and basically in D and D, that's are like ghouls on steroids. Right? Yeah, yeah. It just it takes a higher level to turn them. They can, you know, paralyze elves. <laughs> uh, but to Lovecraft, the, the ghouls and the ghasts were two different creatures that associated with each other. They were both in the Dreamlands, <laughs> but they were they're not the same thing. No, and I, I believe
2: they were also uh, not uh, not terribly friendly to the ghouls and hunted by the gugs. But yeah,
3: yes, um, and, and, and and gave people piggyback rides. Yes. <laughs> now, Lovecraft, of course, is going to be very influenced as a child by um, Arabian Nights. Yes, thousand one Arabian Nights. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's where we're going to get the ghouls. Yeah. Um, gas, like I said, the, the term exists, but as near as I can tell, he kind of created the monster gas. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, next week, I'm sure I'm going to be reading uh, a retraction here by somebody who knows a little bit more than I do. But I will, and we do know obvious that Gygax, et al., that crowd, loved Lovecraft. Mm -hmm. And definitely um, were read and were influenced by uh, Dream Quest of the Unknown Mm Cat. So I'm pretty sure there is at least some connection because there's a lot of of original D&D monsters that were inspired by... By, by Lovecraft. Yeah. But uh, the Shaguana, okay. uh, The Mind Flayer. Uh, so there's a lot of things that, that came from their reading of that. Yeah. And I'm sure that Gas did too, even though a Lovecraftian Gas and a D&D Gas are, 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 are not the same. Okay. So using D&D, if you can going use them right out of the book, mm mm-hmm. The, the, they're basically higher level ghouls. Yeah, yeah. Or, 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 or a ghoul boss fight. Okay. And, and I th- I'm pretty sure that's how much I've used them since, you know, I was 13 and I first read that in Adventure, you know, after the three ghouls. Um, but I, they're I'm definitely different. I mean, a ghast in a Dreamland's quest would be mm-hmm. different than Gast and you know, Phala
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm like looking it up and they're about the size of a small horse and hopped into the grey twilight uh, Scabrous unwholesome beast whose face is curiously human despite the absence of a nose and a forehead and other important particulars um, Hind legs like kangaroos so, I I I am having a hard time understanding that, but <laughs> yeah. but,
3: but but in in and D&D, they just look like ghouls, which yeah. just look like dead bodies.
2: Mm-hmm. They're they're like scarier ghouls. So, I, I guess and, that's that's
3: how And, and in D&D, they're are undead.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I am looking at at uh, guests on uh lovecraftfandom.com. And it looks kind of like, uh, like some sort of like super ghoul.
3: <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, and so yeah, I think a lot of it depends on what type of scenario you're gonna run in. Oh, definitely. And, and one possibility is you know, that there is this confusion in the word. Maybe on your this universe that there's two types of gas, an undead and then kind of more of an ogre-like. Oh, sure, totally. Uh, yeah, I would say Lovecraft being gas are more like ogres than, than D&D okay. gas. Okay. Um, I like that. And so, yeah, I think they would fit anything that you would basically throw an ogre in okay yeah no but, i i like that idea i like that idea and, and sort of the one of made the confusions with the name is you know you go out there um and, and i love the concept of undead right
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: but at least and i haven't i'm just sort of getting with it with five mm-hmm. um, in 3.5, the, the clerics just wiped out. You had a cleric in your party. You didn't really worry about Undead. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so, you know, you're going in there. You think you're going to fight these ghasts that are, you know, like these ghouls. And then you see these forms and your cleric zaps a couple a of couple is his, you know. Uh, Holy simple. Uh, <laughs> or, yeah, or recall Undead. <laughs> or whatever it did rebuke rebuke undead yeah yeah and, and they keep coming yeah you know i did that once in a um in, in a in a game where it was uh, it was people dressed up and they had masks that looked like that they were zombies mm-hmm. to try to scare people yeah but uh you know it it gave mechanics i was trying to get the the cleric to waste a couple of his his turn undead powers you know so that that's good you know they think that distance they think this is a a D &D gas but it's a different type of creature Mm -hmm. and uh you know your party cleric spends off a couple of his uh turn undeads so when he really has to come across the undeads
2: yeah yeah, I like that. I like that. I, I I don't have much for guests. I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, I I, I think they make a good, uh, like, Dreamlands mount. That's 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 how I'd use them personally as a mount in the
3: Dreamlands. <laughs> well, well and, and, and you know, and you think that too, and kind of almost, uh, it kind of I I think about the the ogres in Disenchanted, mm-hmm. you know and the 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 Matt goring uh uh animation with you know set in the fantasy world Mm -hmm. um but you know we use them if you're gonna use them like ogres Mm
0: -hmm.
3: you use them as a mount yeah Use them as a mount. Have you know the hop goblins riding on them piggyback? Yeah, you know? ha- like and a, do, doing, a chi- doing like a chicken fight. You know? Or yeah, like a
2: semi-intelligent mount, or you know maybe more than semi-intelligent, uh, an intelligent mount, but just a low intelligent mount.
3: Yeah, and exactly. And, and the fact that um, they're bipedal,
2: you know,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: who says you know who says a, a mount can't be bipedal? Yeah. And then you've got you got a mount that can also carry a spear. Yeah, <laughs> and you go blah 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 blah. <laughs> and, and, and especially if you got a long term like D and D player, sure. And then all of a sudden you're in a Dreamlands campaign. Yeah. You know he's going to expect a certain thing, but um, you know, so I think that that's the the main thing with the gas. Yeah. Uh, is that they don't have to necessarily be. Undead. Yeah, yeah. And no. they definitely weren't undead in
2: Lovecraft. Sure, yeah, just as ghouls aren't necessarily undead in Lovecraft. I mean, I don't know. They <laughs> they, they, they walk this line of, of, I guess that is undead, but... <laughs> of being alive yet dead, but yeah.
0: Uh,
3: oh, I mean, they're not... <laughs> Yeah, and they, they they eat. They eat. They have to have consumed, you know, they have to eat the body. Mm-hmm. So they have biological process, even yeah. though they're different. Yeah, yeah.
2: But yeah, I, I guess the best way to describe Lovecraftian ghouls is cannibalistic uh, humanoids who prolong their life with cannibalism and ritual mm-hmm. magic.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they do. They become... As,
2: they come more ogre-like, I think, mm-hmm.
3: than than say what we we sort of modern thought of what the undead is. Yeah,
2: and uh, something that you could do with ghasts is uh, have ghasts possibly have been human at one point in time. You know, yeah. um, maybe uh, it's it's not necessarily something that people want to do, but you know, if you're a wizard who wants to prolong your life by being a uh, uh, a ghoul maybe you you want your lab assistant or your your favorite warrior to be to be a ghast that you can uh ride around on and give a spear and you know shout guttural coughs if danger is involved Chlorgo? I
3: don't know I thought that was yeah, a good I think fantasy yeah there's a lot of, of options yeah. other than just a steroid ghoul yeah yeah
2: although hey sometimes you just need a steroid ghoul <laughs> Sometimes you do. I mean, if you need something to burst out of a wall, ghasts <laughs> are pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, there is, like, the monsters in the sewers in Army of Darkness that uh, burst out of the walls and attack uh, Bruce Campbell's character, and I've always thought of those as, as like, ghasts, and, as in, like, D&D ghasts, because they're, like, super powerful ghouls that it's, like, a yeah. eh, ghoul couldn't do that, but a ghast might be able to. Is there, there yeah. a higher step than, like, ghoul ghast something else, even
3: tougher and bigger, like mega ghast? You well, have... there's, there there's definitely you know a lot of like sort of crypt warriors you yeah. get more spiritual like it's physical like uh race or mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but you know the the, the top of the pyramid is going to be the leech. Oh yeah yeah yeah. But I was thinking which, specifically which is, is not a it's not a traditional folklore creature mm-hmm. that leeches are made by made in 20th century fiction.
2: Sure? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking though, it's like you got your ghoul, you got your ghast, like what's 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 even bigger but like possibly like even less intelligent of an undead that's like
3: massive. I don't know. Uh, so so oh, oh, then oh, you're oh. almost getting into um Oh uh to Resident Evil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where I mean, where you know, you got your zombies on the bottom, but you mm-hmm. got the sort of the, the liquors and the the, the dogs and. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, no, I'm 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 thinking of like uh like a huge size creature that is low intelligence and undead, kind of like almost like if there was some sort of like undead giant. I mean. I know there's undead giants, but something in the same family. Anyway, I'm done talking about, there needs to be one thing bigger. But yeah, no, you just create an undead something that is that size and then that much stronger. That's a great thing about Dungeons & Dragons. You can upscale pretty easily for stuff like that. I didn't get that when I was younger, and I'd be like, no, I have to get something that has the right CR to battle everyone. Like when I was in high school, like we didn't have CR, but you know what I mean, hit dice. I'd be like, yeah. no, we have to have enough hit dice. And everyone would be like, why do you always have it like divided evenly? And it's like, it's just so that it's, I I did. I don't know. But as I got to be a better DM, I definitely, definitely just started to be able to like, oh, I'm gonna just customize my monsters.
3: And everyone's liked it since, for the most part. Yeah. So. so. And, and, you know, if it's not there, I think it's, you know, yeah, just start to make a, build a zombie and, you know, maybe a low intelligence zombie, yeah. but a high wisdom for, like, perception. Ooh,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, no, it's, I know. It's, it's like there's certain stats you can mess with to, like, make zombies different. Like, I'm not talking a high charisma zombie because, I mean, unless you're talking, like, dark side force zombies, Um, (laughs) or like a- uh, a, Vampires. Yeah, like vampires or something like that. But like, yeah, vampires, I guess, and uh, like an undead warlock or something. Yeah, that would be like your high charisma character. But like, if you think about like a high constitution undead, a high strength undead or like a high dexterity undead which is weird but it can happen
3: which is like the the running zombies yeah i was thinking traditional romero zombies
2: the running zombie or some sort of like bone devil that has like i don't know uh almost something kind of like a devil demon kind of like undead kind of thing uh like you don't have like fast mummies, but what if you had a fast mummy? I mean, you know, a bog mummy that could like I don't know, or or or, or a, a mummy based off of one of Gathath- uh creations. Uh, <laughs>
3: no, they're they're sure. they're, they're like sure, sure, you know, the the <laughs> the body's leather, but maybe you've got some sort of magic spell that allows them to move. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, and who knows? Maybe if Gathanetho is the last thing that they see, uh, the image slowly works into its brain uh, like a poison, like a code, and then they become. Because
3: wasn't that one of the Gathanetho stories that they could see on the the retinal, of the eye, yeah. mummy's eye? Gathanoa. Yeah, I think that was
2: out of eons that they could see yeah. on. Uh, you know, it, it was just enough to scare people at that point in time. It wasn't enough to uh, petrify them anymore but yeah um but yeah yeah no uh man it makes me think about like gath and thoa in D D, like or call of cthulhu what if someone takes a photo what if like you get 12 artists to paint uh an, an image or something like that of Gath and Othoa. And it's like, this person does this color, this person does this color. And you have it set up in a way so that like, when you slide all of the clear slicks together, you get this like, I don't know, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. There's um, I don't know. There's, there's, there's cool things you can do with ghouls. There's cool stuff you can do with Gath and Othoa. If you have anything that you want to share with us that you think that is cool to do with uh, Gasts, Ghouls, gathnothoa, or any other cool things that start with G that we have not covered yet this month, let us know and we'll put it on the show. Thank you again so much, everyone. Uh, Thank you, Dave. It's always a pleasure to talk to you about the Cthulhu Mythos and everything else we discuss.
3: Well, thank you and everybody have a Have a a great week until we see you next time.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. And, hey, uh, we're recording this on Mardi Gras. And if you want to have a good Fat Tuesday, go on down to Oblivion's. If you hear this uh, on the Patreon, Uh, check out the Patreon. We put up stuff uh, day early. Uh, Go down. Fat Tuesday. uh, I believe everything is half off. Including the clothes, and uh, but then for the next whatever, uh, all during Lent, uh, no dessert for anyone. You desert the table at Oblivion's family dining, and uh, that's it for Ad Reads, and uh, except you know, Uncle Owen's goat farm, they've got goats. (laughs) <laughs> we'll see you all, all right, next.
3: We have baby goats soon.
2: Yep, baby goats. And uh, yeah, thank you again, everyone. And we will see you next time. And stay squiggly and keep weird. Bye. That was a good episode.
0: Listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio.